Well, good morning, church. Thank you, Nina. Thank you to the praise team for leading us in such an incredible morning of worship. I'm really glad that we can be together here today. And let me just say again to all of those who are our guests today, maybe visiting for the first time, uh, thank you so much for coming and spending time with us. Uh, if you're looking for a place, a faith family uh, to call your own, we would love nothing more than for uh, this church to be that faith family for you. We'll go ahead and tell you, we're far from perfect. Uh, But together, we're striving to live different because of Jesus. And if that's something you would like to do, man, we'd love to to journey with you in that. This summer, I know a lot of us have been in and out. And if if you're like me and you've been traveling, I'll catch up really quick on our summer series called Move. Uh, What we're doing this summer is taking a journey through the Gospel of Mark, by the way, in no particular order, uh, to see and to trace the movements of Jesus and to see maybe, just maybe, where is Jesus asking us to make a move in our lives as we strive uh, to follow him and live different because of him. And so this morning we're going we're gonna to take another, uh, another step in that journey. But I want to start with this, uh, this really simple idea that sometimes, sometimes in order to see what you want to see, you have to make a move so you can see more clearly. All right? Sometimes in order to see what you want to see, you have to make a move so you can see things more clearly. We'll come back to that idea in a minute. Before we get into it, though, it's summertime. There's no wild worship today, so we have lots of kids in the room. So we're going to start with a little bit of a game. Is that okay with everybody? Can we have a little fun this morning? You're allowed to have fun in church, right? Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, here we go. Uh, If you have a phone, you want to take out a pen and piece of paper to keep your score, you can do that, or you can count on your fingers if you're good at that. Uh, What I want to do is show you a series of images. And these images, I'll tell you, these are brands, these are logos that you're familiar with. And it'll start with it zoomed in really close. And your, your job is to identify it, and then it's going to zoom out and show you what the image is. And your job is to see how many you can get right. If you got it, say got it. Got it. All right, good deal. Here's a sample. This is not count for points. We're not starting yet, but just to get you warmed up. Here's, a, here's an image. We're going to zoom in real close. Take a look at that. You know what it is? What is it? All right, zoom back out, and you can see that it is, in fact, Google. Okay, you got the hang of it? Here we go. All right, this, this is counting for points now. We'll see how competitive you church people are. I think I know. <gasps> Here's the first one. Take a look at this image. I'll give you a moment just to stare at that. Look at that. Don't say it if you know what it is. Just just think about it. All right. Are you ready? Here's what this is. This is an image of the logo, the brand FedEx. Am I get that one right? Some of you? All right. Good deal. Hey, keep points. We're going to see who wins. There's no prize, but we'll see. All right. Here's the next one. Uh, Next up is this. This should be easy. Yeah, you got it. You got it. This one is, we're going to reveal it, Twitter. All right. How many of you got that one right? Yeah. Okay. You're getting better at it. That's good. We're progressing. All right. Next up is this. Take a look at this image. This one's a little more difficult. It it took me a minute. Some of you, well, I don't want to give it away. Here we go. This one is a picture of the logo for Chipotle. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Some of you are like, oh, it only gets better. All right. Next up is this one. Here we go. Ah, this is a little tougher. I think those in the younger generation will have a better shot at this one. We'll see what happens. This is a picture of the logo or the brand. Go ahead and show that. Beats. Yeah. There you go. All right. Next up. There's 10 of these. We'll see what... You know, this, this should be easy. Some of you, your stomachs are hurting. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a picture of the logo for Taco Bell. That's it. So, come on. Some of you missed that one. We're going to pray for you at the end. All right. Next up is this. Here we go. We should be nearing the end. This one's a little difficult, but you may know it. All right. Go ahead and reveal this. This is a picture of, that's right, Shell. All right. Keeping score. Let's see how we're doing here. Number seven up. 
Let's see, this, this could be tough. It took me a minute to get this one. Uh-huh. All right, go ahead and reveal that. This one is the logo for Under Armour. That was tough, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, next up, we're almost at the end here. Got a few more left. See if you can guess this one. You got this one? A little, little more difficult, but we'll see if you get it. This is the logo for, uh-huh, Pringles. Somebody spoiled it over there. That's all right, though. We love you anyway. All right, two more. Number nine. We'll see if you get this one. Just the edge of it. Ah, uh, we got a spoiler back there. Number nine is what? All the kids know this one. Lego. All right, number ten. The last one. Let's see who gets it. I thought this was pretty hard. Some of you may get it, though. Number 10, this is a picture of Wendy's. All right, if you got five or more correct, let me see a show of hands. Oh, man, got some smart people in the room. Six or more? Not as smart. Seven or more? Wow, eight? Nine? Anybody get all ten? Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we have a tiebreaker. There's one more. Here's a bonus for all of you smart people. Here we go. Last one. This is pretty tough. This is the tiebreaker. This is the bonus round. This is, are you ready? Here's the reveal. This is the image for PlayStation. Oh, some of you, I just busted your bracket right there. Sometimes, in order to see what you want to see, you gotta, you got to make a move to see things more clearly. And sometimes, that means zooming out, right? That means backing up. Some of us, you know, as we get older, you have to hold things a little further away to see it. Or maybe you got to hold it closer to, to where you can see it. Because, you know, we're aging, getting older, it's harder to see things. But the truth is, for all of us, there are things that blind us. For all of us in all of our lives, there are things that happen, there are things around us that make it really hard or very difficult for us to see what we want to see. This week as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the story of Gene Purdy. Gene Purdy has been blind for 16 years. He was born with a disease called Stargardt's disease, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but to the best of my understanding, it's a, it's a condition that affects the retina of the eye and and it allows you only to see faint, soft, glowing you know, edges around whatever image you're looking at. And so Gene has never, just think about this, he's never seen the face of his wife. He's never seen the face of his child. Can you imagine your son call out, Daddy, Daddy, and not being able to look at him and not being able to see whatever it is that he needs? This is the story of Gene's life. He's legally blind because of Stargardt's disease. He's never been able to see. And he and his wife, Joy, they've been to see every doctor you can imagine. And they get the same answer every time. There's no cure for Stargardt's disease. There's, no, there's really no hope for you to see. There's, there's nothing we can do for you. It just is what it is. And, and to his credit, Gene has had a really positive attitude and a really incredible life. But he's never been able to see. One day his wife, Joy, was at home. Uh, TV was on, and it was the Rachel Ray Show. Who, who watches that? And uh, sorry, some of you probably do. And she's got the Rachel Ray Show on TV, and all of a sudden there's a lady that she has on her show there in the studio who is blind. And come to find out, she has Stargardt's disease, the exact same condition that Joy's husband, Gene, has. 
enjoy sitting on the couch watching, just glued to the show because they're telling this lady that we're going to help you see right now, live on TV. Enjoy sitting there like there's no way. Like we've been to the doctors. We, we know the story. We know all about this. There is no way they can do this. Well, Rachel Ray had brought on uh, this, this guy that represented a company who they created these glasses called eSight glasses. And uh, what they do is they, they have cameras and they take high-resolution video and inside the glasses, they enhance it, they filter it, and they reproduce it on small screens inside the glasses, and they make it to where people who have Stargardt's disease can actually see. And Joy sat there, and they watched as they put these glasses on this lady, and she looked up, and for the first time in 10 years, saw the face of her sister. Well, you can just imagine, Joy is losing her mind. I mean, she's shaking, she's crying, and after she gets over all of that, There's one thought burning through her mind. You know what it is, right? How in the world can I get my husband to those glasses? How in the world can I get him him to the Rachel Ratio? Can I reach out to them? Can Can I figure out a way to get him in a place where he could put those on and maybe for the first time in his entire life see the face of his wife, see the face of his child? How can I get him from here to there where he can put those on so he can see? I wonder if that's kind of what's happening in the story in Mark 8. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, if you want to open up and follow along, we're going to start in Mark 8, verse 22. And what's happening is Jesus has already been teaching and preaching. He's already been traveling and and doing his thing. He's already been doing miracles and healing and, and, and people that are sick he's making well. And Jesus and his disciples are about to enter into this town called Bethsaida. And there's a blind man who lives in that town. And you can imagine as he enters into town, people hear that Jesus is, is here. He has arrived. This, this, this traveling preacher, this, this person who can apparently or is reported he can do miracles has come to town. And there's some friends of this blind man who hear that Jesus is coming. And they have the same question in their mind. How can we get our friend, could we get our friend to this Jesus and see if maybe, just maybe, he can help our friend. Maybe Jesus can help him see. This is how the story goes in Mark 8, verse 22. When they, that's Jesus and the disciples, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him. They begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Can you imagine this moment? The friends do it. They get their friend to Jesus, and Jesus Hears their request. He, he, he knows they're begging for, for his help. And he takes the man by the Can you imagine how the man felt in this moment? The anticipation. He's been blind for who knows how long. And maybe, just maybe, this guy's going to help me see again. The anxiety, the excitement, all that's rising inside of him, inside of his friends. And then Jesus spitting on the man's eyes. And I know that sounds gross and weird, but you know what? If it works, who cares, right? <laughs> he spits on his eyes, and he laid his hands on him, and he asked... Can you see anything now? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think Jesus ever asked a question that he didn't already know the answer to, right? He's asking this guy, can you see anything now? But I think Jesus already knows the answer. And by the way, I think this is probably really frustrating for his friends. Can you just imagine, you know, being one of the disciples sitting with Jesus at the campfire at night and Jesus goes over to grab another piece of fish off the grill and it's all gone and Jesus says, hey, who ate the last piece of fish? It's not like James can say John did it and get away with it. Jesus knows 
Jesus never asked a question he didn't know the answer to. It had to be really frustrating to be friends with Jesus. But Jesus asked this man, can you see anything now? But he already knew the answer. He already knew. The man looked around. Yes, he said. I, I see people, but I can't see them. I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. The man can see, sort of. He can see almost. What's going on here? Does this sound a bit strange or unusual to you? I mean, is this Jesus' first failed attempt at a miracle, at a healing? Is this the, 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 does Jesus not have enough power to get this one right? Does this man not have enough faith to be healed by Jesus? I mean, if you fast forward the story, just two chapters in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is going to encounter another blind man, and he heals him, and it, it, it takes right away. The man sees instantly. He sees immediately. But here in Mark 8, he tries to heal this guy, and it doesn't work. What's up with that? Verse 25. Well, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again for the second time. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus tries a second time, and it works. And it makes you wonder, did Jesus really need a second chance? Did he really mess it up the first time? Like, what's really going on here? Or, or, is Jesus... What if this story isn't about the blind man? What if Jesus is trying to heal blindness, but it's not just this man's blindness he's trying to heal? What if Mark, the storyteller, is trying to, to show us a different truth or, or open our eyes to something that maybe we haven't seen before? What if there is something else going on in the story? What if there is a, a, another kind of blindness that Jesus is hoping to heal as he heals this man's physical blindness? Well, if you zoom out a little bit, we've been up real close to the story. Just like those pictures, if you just pull the camera lens back, if you zoom out a little bit, and you look at what else is going on in Mark, especially even in just chapter 8, you get to see a little bit of a fuller picture of what's going on in the story, of what Jesus is doing. In fact, if you just go back to the, to the beginning of chapter 8, you know what Jesus does? You, you may have heard the story at VBS growing up. Jesus is out, and there's 4,000 men, Mark says, not counting women and children. And he's been with them, and, and now they're hungry, and they have no food. And he, he tells the disciples, we've got to feed these people. And they're like, with what? And Jesus says, well, what do you have? And they said, well, we've got seven pieces of bread and a few small fish. And Jesus says, that'll work. So you know what Jesus does? He takes those seven pieces of bread and those few small fish, and he feeds over 4,000 people. Amazing. And the disciples saw this. They were here. They witnessed this entire event. And then after that, Jesus is approached by some Pharisees, and they've heard what Jesus can do. They, they've heard about all these miracles. In fact, they're probably hearing how he just fed 5,000 people with seven pieces of bread and a few small fish. And by the way, he had done something like that before, where he fed 5,000 with five loaves. It, amazing what Jesus can do. They've heard these stories, and so they approach Jesus. These Pharisees come to Jesus, and they say, hey, show us a sign. We want to see what you can do. We want, to, we want you to do a sign to prove you are who you say you are, to prove your power and authority. Prove it. Do something for us. And Jesus says no, because he's not a magician. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not here to meet your own demand request. And by the way, this might be a little bit of a clue about your prayer life. 
You, you can absolutely and you should be praying for everything and anything. But Jesus is not a genie in a bottle. He is God. He loves you. He wants to do immeasurably more for you than you could ever ask or imagine. And he is working all things together for your good and for his glory. But he is God. He is God. He is not a genie in a bottle. And when these Pharisees come demanding a sign, he says no. And he goes and he gets in a boat with his boys, with his disciples. And they're leaving. And then his disciples have this uh uh-oh moment because you know what happened? They had, they had seven baskets of bread left over from Jesus feeding 4,000, but they get in the boat and somehow they only have one loaf of bread. And they're worried. They're stressed out. They're freaking out. They're like, we're hungry. We got one piece of bread. How is this going to work? There's 12 of us, 13 counting Jesus. Oh my goodness. How are we going to eat? Jesus hears them talking and you can just see him hitting his head against the boat. He's like, do you not get it. Where have you been? In fact, this is what he says literally in verse 17. I just love this. You can just see Jesus wanting to pull his hair out. He said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? And underline verse 18, you have eyes. Can't you see it? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? And then he just goes back to what's just happened. Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Um, Twelve. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. We've got a piece of bread here, boys. I can take care of this. (laughs) Like, what, what are you worried about? Don't you understand, he asked them. You can just see he's exasperated. Don't you even get it? But the disciples are completely blind. They see Jesus, but they don't understand. The Pharisees are completely blind. They see Jesus, but they don't even understand it yet. And the question I think you and I have to ask today is man, how about you? Are you blind? Are you spiritually blind? Are you able to see and understand who Jesus is and what he wants to do for you? Do you remember the first time you you ever saw Jesus? I'm guessing that for a lot of you in the room, you've had this encounter, you've had this experience where you saw Jesus. Because I know a lot of you in the room have made that decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You've stepped into these waters of baptism. You've confessed him as your Lord and Savior. So it, uh, my, my, my guess is that a lot of you, most of you in the room at some point in your life had this experience where you felt like you saw Jesus. I remember the first time I felt like I saw Jesus. I was in middle school. I was a teenager. I was at a church camp. And I'd already been baptized. I, I, I knew, I grew up like a lot of you, I knew the stories, I knew these stories, like I knew I could pass the Bible quiz. If there's a quiz when you get to heaven, I've, I've got it covered, I'm there, right? But I'm sitting there that night, and after worship, they play some songs, and, and they roll this footage from video clips from this video, Jesus of Nazareth, maybe you've seen it. And for the first time, like as a middle school guy watching the screens, like I'm seeing this footage of Jesus, I'm seeing how he was laughed at and mocked at and spit on. I'm watching as he's being beaten and then nailed to a cross. And I'll never forget sitting in that room with with teenagers from all over the country and 
watching this and for me crying uncontrollably. It just over, I was just overwhelmed. And I, and I was trying to cover it up. I didn't want the girls to see it because I was at church camp for all the right reasons. But it just, it just hit me. Like what I knew in my head was connecting with what was in my heart and it was coming together like never before. And I was seeing Jesus and I was overwhelmed by his love for me. And I knew I didn't earn it. I couldn't deserve it. There's no way I could get it. It was just a gift I was there to receive. And it was overwhelming. Mark doesn't tell us, but I wonder. I wonder if that second time when Jesus touched the man, he had to be standing in front of him, right? Just hands on his, his shoulders or something. And, and I wonder if when that man, that blind man opened his eyes, the first thing he saw clearly was the face of the Son of God. And I wonder if in that moment he wasn't just completely overwhelmed by seeing Jesus. After Joy watched the Rachel Ray show, she wrote a letter to the Rachel Ray show and she told them her story and their story and the producers of the show called her and said, we want to fly you and your husband to New York to be on the show and we want Gene to put on these glasses and to see what happens for him. We can imagine their excitement and they get to the studio and they're sitting there and, and they're ready and Gene talks about how just inside of him is this excitement, this anxiety, this, 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 this you know, anticipation. You know, is this going to work? And he put the glasses on. It takes a minute for them to do their thing. But he looks up and the first face he sees is the face of his wife. And do you know what the first two words out of his mouth were? After they put the glasses over his eyes, and he looked up and he saw the face of his wife, Joy. Literally. You can go watch the video. He said, she's pretty. (laughs) She's pretty. And I don't know what the man said when his eyes were opened, and I don't know if the first thing he saw was the face of Jesus, but I imagine if he did. I wonder what he said. I wonder if he said, you are beautiful beyond Description. Too marvelous for words. See, there's something happens. There's something that happens when you see the face of Jesus. What you and I want to do, I know it's what we want, it's what we all want to do. We want to zoom out the camera lens and we want to see our life. We want to know everything. We want to know what everybody's saying. We want to know what everybody's doing. We want to know what's going to happen next because we're worried about all of it. We want to see everything, but the goal is not to see everything. That's not what we're after. What we're after is to see the one who sees everything. And the move I want you to make is to make this move, to see the one who sees all things and to remember that he sees you. Because when you make this move to see the one who sees all things, you begin to get that pers- the right perspective to know that he sees all this, And at the same time, he sees you. And I think when you and I make a move to see Jesus, to actually look at him, to to stop the busyness of our life for a moment and to just look at Jesus, it has the power to change everything. Because if you're anything like me, we're just like those disciples. We get in the boat with Jesus and we're worried. 
We're worried about where the next paycheck is going to come from, how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to take care of this situation or, or deal with that with our kids. Or we're worried about our relationships or our marriages or our friends or, or the church. We're, we're worried about everything. And Jesus is in the boat and he's like, don't, can't, don't, don't you have eyes to see? Can't you hear? Don't you remember? I've always been right here in the boat with you. You were worried about that five years ago. Remember how I provided for you? You were so concerned about that situation way back then. Don't you remember how I sustained you? Don't you know I've never, ever let you down? Just just keep your eyes focused on me, and I guarantee you, I will provide for you. I will take care of you. I've got you. I'm in the boat. I'm with you. Look at me. Look at me. You've only got a little. You've only got one piece of bread. Let me tell you. That's more than enough. I've got you. I see you. And I want you to see me. I wonder if maybe one of the spiritual practices we need to get back to is just a practice of looking at Jesus. And I know there's no pictures of him. You know, there's no Polaroids. But there are pictures of Jesus. You can look at the picture of the guy that played Jesus of Nazareth, and I know Jesus probably didn't have blue eyes. He was Jewish. That probably didn't work out that way. But to take an image of Jesus, there's so many incredible pieces of art and works of art, and people have tried to recapture. To take time to just focus and to look at Jesus, to see the one who sees you, to see the one who sees all things, something changes in us. When we make a move to see our Savior. And when we see him, I believe he'll open our eyes to see clearly. Not necessarily to make sense of all that's going on around us, but to know that he's making sense of all that goes on around us. Maybe the next step for you and me is to take that step. Take a step to look at Jesus and to see him see the one who sees all things, to see the one who sees you and me and know, and know that he's got us. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. I know if you're like me, a lot of us, you know, what happens is we, more often than not, We're like the disciples. We're like the Pharisees. We see, but we don't see clearly. And this week, what I want to invite you into is just a relationship where you can see Jesus. And for some of us, maybe that's the move that you need to make today. And it's a move to come to Jesus just as as you are with with your blindness, with your brokenness, with your problems, with, with all the uncertainty, with all the worries and concerns and stress in your life. And just come to Jesus just as you are and, and just say, I want, I want to see you. I want to fix my eyes on you and trust that you got the rest. And I'm going to invite our elders and their wives to make their way around the room right now. And as we sing this last song, if you want someone to pray with you and just to usher you into the presence of God and ask Jesus to to heal you of your blindness, to help you see him, they would love nothing more than to to just pray with you and ask, ask Jesus to do that for you. Because Jesus wants to do that for you. He wants you to see him. For the rest of us, though, I think there might be one more question I want you to wrestle with this week. I can't get over the fact 
that this blind man in Mark 8 had friends that loved him enough to do whatever it took to get him in front of Jesus. And I'm just wondering, who is it in your life? Who is it in your life that you need to take by the hand and bring them into a place where they can encounter Jesus? Who is it in your life you need to maybe invite to church or invite to coffee or invite to lunch or invite to supper or invite into a relationship or invite them into a place, into a space where they can have an encounter with Jesus? Because I guarantee you all of us know people who they, 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 they need to see. They need the healing touch of Jesus. What, what wouldn't you do to help someone see Jesus? Maybe the move we need to make is to take someone by the hand and bring them into a place where they can be in the presence of Jesus too. Whatever that move is for you, my prayer is that this week you would make a move. It's your move. Let's sing.